Hey Dragons, welcome to episode 32 of the podcast. This is with Emma Fife. She's just totally out of this world, amazing nerd. She hosts the Love and Justice Sailor Moon podcast. She hosts a few After Buzz TV shows, so definitely check those out. Of course, all the links are going to be in the show notes. Do gotta say... Thank you for all the love you're showing me on social media. Absolutely love it. If you haven't started following me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those, at Dumbbells Dragon. Again, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And now I'm going to let you guys get to the show because Emma was awesome to talk to. Oh, but before I let you go, I do want to say if you are going to go to... Uh, LA's premier Comic-Con, Stan Lee's Kamikaze. Use the code PERKY at checkout. Um, I think you get a little bit of a discount, and it helps my friend Tiffany over at the Perky Nerd to possibly get Stan Lee to come in and do a meet and greet. So that's pretty cool. Anyways, y'all, work out, nerd out, enjoy the show. In the basement, rolling dice. Welcome again, dragons, to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. I am your host, Kenny Rotter, and today I am joined by Emma Fife, who has so much stuff going on. She is the host of the Love and Justice podcast. She works with AfterBuzz TV, but we will get into all of that uh, throughout the conversation. Emma, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited that we uh, got this sorted out. <laughs> yeah, it was, you and I had probably four or five set dates, and then each of us just had to cancel one time after another after another. The problem is, is of course, we like started to try to coordinate this right before Comic-Con, and like getting ready for San Diego <laughs> is just a beast unto itself. I was doing press coverage for AfterBuzz, so it's like we were getting our schedules, and I was trying to figure out when I had to be places, and then I ended up like doing a stream for Skybound as well, and so it just was like a crazy, crazy time, uh, and then after that, I had like a week of trying to catch up on my life before I went on vacation, and I always get like overzealous where I'm like, yeah, there's, there's obviously more than 24 hours in a day. I can do everything, but that is uh, simply not the case. Uh, however, we persevered, and here we are. <laughs> yes, and it was it was like I was getting ready for Comic-Con. I was I had a couple other conventions that I was going to. I had just started a new job. So it was um, it was just a comedy of errors. But was. uh after probably a month and a half, finally here we are. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. So uh first, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, uh, I am someone who uh, my job titles always have a lot of slashes in them, I uh, always say. <laughs> I, I do a lot of stuff with AfterBuzz Media, so I'm um, a host on a, many, many after shows there. Um, some of the highlights being uh, Star Wars Rebels, uh, Transformers Robots in Disguise. Right now I'm doing Voltron the Legendary Defender, uh, Steven Universe, so a lot of cartoons. Um, in the live action realm, though, I... Uh, was one of the hosts for the Jessica Jones after show and for Agent Carter, uh, as well as Ash vs. Evil Dead. So kind of everything that I, I do there falls within the kind of 
nerdy spectrum, uh, which is good with me because that's the kind of stuff that I'm into. Uh, but primarily, I think of myself as being a professional Sailor Moon fan. Uh, <laughs> in addition to doing the Sailor Moon Crystal After Show at After Buzz, I also do independently produce Love and Justice. Uh, it's called Love and Justice, a serious Sailor Moon podcast. It's not serious at all. It's more like a comedy podcast that's loosely based on Sailor Moon, uh, <laughs> where we compare all the various incarnations of Sailor Moon because there have been many. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's that is kind of even though I I'm a fan of a lot of things. Um, Ken Knapsack during uh, Comic Con who does a whole bunch of stuff at Screen Junkies and Schmoes Knows and things like that. He introduced me to one of the producers at Screen Junkies as an anime slash as a, no as a Star Wars slash anime fan, um, which is very true. But for whatever reason, like Sailor Moon has just been the fandom that's really really stuck with me throughout my whole life and hasn't gone away. And now I'm sort of making an odd sort of career out of it. That Hey, that's awesome. So what is it about Sailor Moon that um, appeals to you in particular? Really funny. Uh, I had a friend who was staying my, my roommate uh, Lola Bankard is one of my co-hosts on Love and Justice and we had some friends from out of town in Salt Lake uh, she, that's where she's from originally staying with us and uh, the one of them asked she's like I never got into Sailor Moon like what's what's the deal why is it so exciting and I I summed it up basically as it's about a bunch of girls who are the reincarnations of magical space princesses who have superpowers and are a totally awesome superhero team. That is probably the best description of Sailor Moon I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. No. Um, so how long have you been doing the podcast? Was the, you said two years, right? Yeah, uh, coming up on two years, um, our first that we started recording episodes in October of 2014. And we recorded a bunch of episodes before we ended up posting anything because I ended up launching with like five episodes already done. Um, and uh, so basically, it, it kind of started with we were. Uh, so Sailor Moon has had many, many incarnations uh, throughout the years. It started with uh, the manga back in the original anime series back in 1992. There was a live action series. There's been a whole bunch of musicals. And then in 2014, they revamped the anime. So like basically they released a second anime series that followed the manga or the comic um, that it's based on more closely than the 90s anime series. And that was Sailor Moon Crystal. And at the time, it like really just renewed my love of Sailor Moon. As I say, it was a fandom that I kept coming back to throughout my life. And at the time, I suddenly went, I always start, I was really, really into podcasts. I was deeply, and still am. I, I love like, how did this get made? And I love JV Club um, and Thrilling Adventure Hour. And so I was like really on this podcast kick. And I was like, man, I'm going to look for a really good Sailor Moon podcast. And uh, I couldn't find any that was really, that were really like, satisfying my needs as a fan uh, and so with two of my best friends who are also huge Sailor Moon fans we just decided that we were gonna make our own podcast because you know the, the podcasts are pretty good it was like After Buzz had started doing their Crystal After Show and this was before I was even doing stuff with After Buzz uh, I ended up joining that roster later on down the line but uh, yeah I because 
as I say, there's been so many versions of Sailor Moon, and I found that all of the podcasts I was listening to, they were really just focusing on Crystal, or they were like old and out of date and just focusing on the 90s anime, and and none of them really talked about the live action version, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, which I absolutely love. Uh, so yeah, we, we just wanted to do a podcast that really explored like all the different versions of Sailor Moon, and so that's what we created and uh, have continued to keep creating to this day. That's excellent. How many episodes do y'all have? Last, I just posted an episode uh, today, and it was episode 73, I think. Okay. You're coming, yeah. up, coming up on 100. Any special plans? I, I don't know. I'm just, I, when I posted the episode and I saw it was 73, I was like, oh man, we should we should come up with like some big thing for our 100th episode. I don't know exactly what it's going to be but i i mean we have an incredible fan base uh who are just so engaged and interactive and we get great emails from people all the time and and tweets and facebook messages and so i'm sure they will uh have some suggestions on how to make our 100th episode very very special and and we'll certainly be brainstorming that as well that's excellent we'll definitely keep us posted on that and we will be happy to help promote your super awesome 100th episode I think, I think, uh, I'm still a couple years away from that. <laughs> How many episodes do you have right now? Uh, we release every Wednesday and we're obviously we're recording this earlier, but uh, right. right now 25 is going to go up tomorrow. Nice. That's good though. And I think I have, honestly, <laughs> after this one, I think I still have four or five more recorded that just, I need to schedule to go up. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's so nice. When we first started doing Love and Justice, um, because we started doing it because basically the format of sort of our main episodes of Love and Justice is we compare the newest Crystal episode to the manga, the 90s anime. And back when we were in the first story arc, uh, the live action Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, because the, the live action Sailor Moon only covers the first story arc, which is the Dark Kingdom arc. Um and uh, and so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the, the main content. But there's so much other like Sailor Moon stuff to talk about, be it like filler episodes of the 90s anime or the musicals or the sort of expanded storylines within the live action show. Um, and so when we first started, Sailor Moon Crystal had already started because that's, you know, what inspired us to want to make the podcast in the first place. So I want to say Sailor Moon Crystal was already maybe five or six episodes in by the time we started recording the podcast. So like we were really good about backlogging stuff for a while, but then, you know, our last, um, the last season of crystal, which was season three, which aired like April until May of this year. Um, we, uh, April until like June of this year. Yeah. Cause I was away in Hawaii and I missed one episode. And then by the time, we got to Vegas. I think it was wrapping up. But anyway, um, but this time around, you know, we were releasing concurrently. So it was like I would go record Love and Justice at eight uh, at Kelby's house in Burbank, uh, where we have our little makeshift recording studio set up. And then I would run over to AfterBuzz to do the Crystal After Show at 10, come home, edit and post the Love and Justice episode because it, you know, it becomes timely all of a sudden. So, oh, yeah. And what what advice do you have for me and all the other new podcasters out there in getting that that high quality but really fast turnaround? 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like you just kind of have to trust the thing about podcasting uh, and, and a lot of Internet medium in general. I found as um, I recently worked on a TV show and I and I came out of it being like, oh, the Internet's like a lot more real than TV. Uh, so you just sort of have to trust that what is said in conversation is good. I mean, honestly, I think that the the thing that sort of taught me to just kind of edit less uh, is doing AfterBuzz um, because, you know, we get one chance go around, we stream live on YouTube and then they basically just post exactly what we just streamed barring any like extreme circumstances. And there, there have been circumstances wherein we've had to re-record a segment of the episode and that's what ends up getting posted on YouTube and on iTunes. But it's just, it's trusting that, you know, the, that the content is there, that the conversations are good as they are. And that, you know, people who are listening to podcasts are listening for that kind of just real in the moment kind of interaction. And so for me, cause like when we were first doing love and justice, I definitely did like edit a lot. And I think also we've gotten better at, like keeping the conversation more or less on topic. I mean, you don't want to get too stressed about being on topic all the time because part of what people are tuning in for is the personality and the personal experiences of the hosts themselves. So, but there, there were times early on where there were some tangents. Like I remember the first time uh, I had, we had Amanda Miller on, uh, who's a now a very dear friend of ours. Um, but she's the voice of Sailor Jupiter in the new Viz dub of Sailor Moon. And the first time we had her on, I think we recorded for about two and a half hours. And I was like, I cannot post a two and a half hour episode. So, uh, that one had to be edited quite a lot, but I don't know. I, I think you, you learn to just kind of like rein it in and know when to sort of steer back to the topic of conversation at hand, but also trust that like the little tangents you go on are fine. And, and, you know, barring any sort of technical difficulties, just uh, what I always do is I we record for roughly an hour and then I record an intro. I add a little music and sound effects and I just post it and go. <laughs> That's actually what got me uh, what actually got me starting to post my episodes because I had been recording content since April of 2014. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but, but I didn't launch anything. I didn't post anything until March of this year. Oh wow! Because what was stopping you? Um, fear. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, nothing was ever good enough. I see. Um, I hated the the first couple episodes, and the I hated editing because it would take me uh, like a week and a half. Yeah. See what happened was the, the I mean the other part of the reason that that Love and Justice came about was that. Uh, so, uh, Kelby, Lola, and I, those are my main, the two co-hosts on Love and Justice that we have guest hosts and guest stars very frequently. Um, uh, the three of us basically, um, decided back in like early 2014 after Kelby and I had both auditioned for this hosting gig that ultimately never even happened uh but we also didn't get hired for i'm not even sure they ended up actually hiring anybody but i know the project did never end up even happening but that's neither here nor there but but for me like i had hosted a segment on a short-lived video game show on one of the buzz media not to be confused with buzzfeed uh <laughs> blogs back in like 2000 
12. And then I, I started working at Universal Studios as a tour guide. And I was like, oh, I've got this day job that I really like. And I got very deeply entrenched in that. And then, yeah, early 2014, I auditioned for another hosting thing and was like, oh, I forgot. I really, really like this. And I think I'm pretty good at it. And so we kind of decided we're like, we're just going to make our own like YouTube show, which we did. And um, it, it was called the Nerd Street Hudlums. And you can you can still find it on YouTube. But it, it was basically like ladies perspective on nerdy topics, um, which was too general. Uh, it was really fun for the first couple of weeks. But basically, we figured out really fast that, you know, we fell into this pattern of being like, well, what do we want to talk about next week? I don't know. What do we want to talk about next week? Well, what should the theme be, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and the other thing is, too, you know, in this and and we were doing that like before kind of the Twitch phenomenon happened, because I think that the attention span of people on the Internet has gotten quite a bit longer because of things like Twitch, where people, you know, will tune in and watch people play a video game, you know, for three hours. But at the time, it was like all YouTube. It was all you. I mean, you wanted to be under five, ideally under three minutes. And the best part about what we were doing were our was like our long form discussions. And so we decided that we were actually kind of better suited to a podcast. And since, you know, and like the second episode we did of Nerd Street Hoodlums was Sailor Moon and it was a, a love that we all shared. And so eventually we just were like, oh, let's just do a Sailor Moon podcast instead. But, but the other part of, of doing the YouTube thing was like, I, because we were recording and we were ending up, you know, with, 20 to 30 sometimes 40 minutes of content and I was doing my damnedest to like edit that down to as short as it could be to keep our episodes under 10 which at the time was like still too long for YouTube so oh, yeah. uh, but I, I totally feel you on the editing thing and I was like oh this editing takes forever <laughs> and so I was like well if we do a podcast we can just like talk for as long as we want and then we don't need to then who cares? We can have 45 to hour and a half long discussions and people still listen to it because you just have to listen and that's it. Oh, yeah. Well, and what I learned about editing is, A, as I had more of these conversations, um, I, I didn't have to do as much editing. And I would because I was so obsessive compulsive, every um or uh or <laughs> like every every pause for a breath I thought was too long. And so I needed to I needed to edit this tenth of a second down to a fifth of a second. Uh, and I definitely did that a little bit more uh, in the early days of Love and Justice that, yeah, I would I would edit down those longer pauses. But the, the more that I've continued to podcast and especially learning from the AfterBuzz model of like, no, this is live and this is basically live to tape after it streams live so you don't get a second chance and if you pause or you say like or um it's it's not the end of the world i mean that's usually just in those vocal fillers are usually just an indication of your brain working faster than your mouth is moving <laughs> yes and normally i find that the ums the likes are just kind of placeholders for silence and silence is okay and it's just it's it's a natural way of speaking too. As soon as you take that out, it feels like people are reading off a teleprompter. <laughs> I'm not that good at reading off a teleprompter. <laughs> I would I would say it's a skill. It's a skill. Yeah, I I will never be a politician. I would sound so much like a robot. 
That's funny. Yeah, most of the time when I've had to read stuff off of teleprompters, it's copy that I've written myself or copy that I've been given and then edited to make it sound more like me. <laughs> okay, that works. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about the podcast, talked a little bit about AfterBuzz, but what is one thing you're into that not many people know or that people would find surprising? Hmm. Well, I think that people who listen to my podcast are aware. I don't know. I feel like I'm really an open book on the internet. I'm trying to think if there's some like weird obsession I have that I haven't shared. Cause I, I feel like anyone who listens to my, uh, not after Buzz so much, but love and justice. Certainly everybody knows about my um, Jane Austen obsession. Uh, I was <laughs> after a Jane Austen character, uh, Emma. Well, I was named after Emma Woodhouse. So I was supposed to be named Heather uh, up until about, mm, a few weeks before I was born and my mom reread Emma and was like, nah, her name's going to be Emma. And I have definitely uh, taken on some of the personality traits of that character. Uh, <laughs> what else? I am really into like bad Scottish food. It's delicious, but Americans are really freaked out by haggis, <laughs> which is like all the bits of the animal that they didn't use, like ground up with some spices and cooked in a sheep's stomach. It's delicious. Uh, <laughs> my dad is Scottish. So I, um, let's see. I love like really bad musicals, uh, like the, uh, uh, like the musical chess written by uh, the guys from ABBA. Uh, <laughs> I've never even heard of this, but I'm going to be doing some serious Googling after this. Uh, Benny Anderson is amazing. Uh, it's terrible. It is a really, really terrible musical, but I really, really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. As I say, like I, I feel like I'm pretty transparent about the stuff that I like. Now, it's interesting because if you'd asked me in college... Because this is the thing is like I was a huge nerd growing up, especially I was like just a huge anime kid from like the time I was about tw 10 or 12, I think, when um, when Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z started airing in the Toonami lineup on Cartoon Network uh, until I went away to college basically i mean it was like i was all like musical theater jrpgs and anime um but when i got to college I, I mean people still knew i was definitely a theater kid and i definitely like hung out and played video games and stuff but i remember talking to one of my friends being like well you know i'm actually like a huge nerd like i like read weird anime fan fiction and manga and sometimes write stuff like that <laughs> and she was like i would never guess that about you because i i think i come across as like really well adjusted and i think <laughs> at the time it still wasn't quite so acceptable to be a nerd as it is now uh i i mean i just think it's a great time to be alive and so i'm not i'm not ashamed of any of the stuff that I like. So I'm really just open about all of it. <laughs> See, and the, the, I totally agree with that. And I love that. And I'm the exact same way. Like this question evolved because it was originally, what is your nerdy guilty pleasure? And yeah. then me and another podcaster, uh, Joe Hogan from Geektitude, we were just, we were having this conversation and he just kind of inspired me. Cause he's like, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't feel guilty about anything we're into. Ah. And so, like, I fully, after after that conversation, it's like, I fully accept my obsession. 
with Marvel and Spider-Man. I fully accept my, I'm, me and my wife are totally into My Little Ponies. Oh, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually flying to Dallas in October for a Tough Mudder, which is a obstacle course race. Hey, yeah, I've heard of those before. Yeah. And it's the same weekend as like Nightmare Nights, which is a Dallas My Little Pony convention. That is amazing. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> This is a sign the universe wants me to go to this convention. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I have emails to those people and I would love to go. Like I will t- like since Pokemon Go, we're rewatching all the original Pokemon. Yes, yes. Oh, so good. Yeah, I actually I also work for a convention company called Amazing Comic Con. Um, and well, we work with Tony Fleeks all the time, who's one of the artists for My Little Pony. But for our um, Hawaii show in October, uh, Veronica Taylor, who was the voice of Ash Ketchum, is one of our guests. And I'm really oh, excited. That's amazing. And I've actually met. Um, I don't know. I, we're not on a first name basis, so I'm just going to call him Mr. Fleeks. Hey, Tony. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I met him at San Diego, and he was actually super nice, signed a couple of my comic books. Nice. Um, and we exchanged information, and I'm actually trying to get him on the on the podcast. I had I had uh, Katie Cook on here. Yep. Um, and I, I love her arcs. Her arcs were just so funny, and I caught myself just going through every panel just mm-hmm. looking for all the little uh, nuances and asides and homages to awesome things. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Tony is awesome. Yeah. He does a lot of the uh, the amazing shows. And so I have uh, I have worked with him numerous times and he's a, a very nice person. Excellent. He teaches young children how to draw ponies. It's adorable. Oh, man. See, I, I'm not even going to pretend to think I could learn how to draw. <laughs> you should ask him to teach you. He's really good at teaching. It's, I, you know, I, I don't have the temperament to put in the time that would be devoted to doing it well. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cute. Um, so one of the things I, for, so I do programming, um, and guest relations and things for the amazing shows. And I was just putting together our programming for our Houston show in September. And I was noticing how many interactive panels we've grown to have. And I'm so excited about that because it's somewhere in between like a panel and a workshop. But one of the things that we introduced, uh, in our Hawaii show in May was this drawing because we on Sunday we always have kids day and you know uh, Matt Nastos who worked on Phineas and Ferb and Tony and, and all kinds of artists that we have will do basically free sketches on the little sketch cards for kids and so we started actually doing a panel where kids come learn how to draw and the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life is a whole bunch of little girls lined up with their sketch cards to get Tony to help them make their ponies look better oh that's adorable it was really cool. Awesome. No, one of my one of my greatest pony convention. No, con- I was at a convention and there was a pony story. Not I was at a specific pony convention. Um, <laughs> there was this little. There was this girl. She was probably like eight years old, mm-hmm. and she was cosplaying as Rarity. Okay, and she was for some reason like she was really upset and she was on the verge of tears. I have no idea why she was upset, but I was like, I was thinking in my head, you were at a Comic-Con dressed as a badass rarity, 
<laughs> there is no reason in the world you should be crying right now. Yeah. So I walked up to her and I was like, excuse me, your rarity is the best at this convention. Oh. Is it okay with your parents if I get a picture with you? Because first of all, 31 year old man asking to take a picture with an eight year old. That's could- a little, it could be a little weird. <laughs> that could get a bro into some trouble. Sure, sure. So I asked the, you know, we turned to the parents. We asked the parents. They said yes. We, we take this picture. She went back to wherever she was going, and her parents were like, that made her day. Thank Aww. you so much. And I was like, I was like, bronies are awesome. I love it. Yeah, I, uh, um, so I cosplay a little bit myself as well. And I remember the first time I ever cosplayed Sailor Venus from Sailor Moon, who is my favorite of the Sailor Guardians. Uh, I, it was, if you cosplay a Sailor Guardian at a convention, you are like instant Disney princess status. Like all, <laughs> so funny. Um, I was walking around with a friend who was cosplaying Supergirl. And this little girl, you know, came up to her and wanted to take a picture with her. And she looked over at me and her reaction was just like, whoa. And she just like ran at me and attacked me. And her mom was like, can we get a picture with you? I was like, sure. no." <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's a, it, it's, I, I think that that to me was like just one of the great things sort of about the cosplay world is it, it can really be a big self-esteem booster for little kids. Uh, for not just little yeah. kids, but um, first, I like I dressed up as Stupendous Man from Calvin and Hobbes on San Diego oh. uh, on the Sunday of San Diego Comic Con this year, and Peace. it was it was only like my th- second or third cosplay like ever, mm-hmm. and a, probably like five or six people had come up to me and they were like, "Oh my god, this is great! Can we get a picture with you?" But it was um, the first time that it ever happened, and I just I was I was like a kid at Disneyland. I was like, people like my cosplay. It's really cool. And and it was just like I was on cloud nine for the entire time. But what I love about what you said is we're at a time where female superhero role models are just on the verge of exploding. Um, I totally agree. And I mean that and that's the thing again for me I think about Sailor Moon and why it's really stuck around is because it is about a whole team of girl superheroes and the thing that's so incredible about the the majority of the cast being women is that they're not the girl so they're they get to be incredibly flawed and unique and have strange personality quirks and ultimately just be people who are capable of doing extraordinary things. And I think that now we're starting to see more of that in in Western kind of storytelling as well, which is fantastic. Yes. Do you have any examples of Western that we can that you can relate to or that as an example you can show? 100% Steven Universe. Uh, it is just one of the best shows on TV uh, ever. I, w- I would venture to guess. It's it's very much 
there's a lot of anime influence in it. Um, Rebecca Sugar, the creator, is a big fan of Revolutionary Girl Utena, which is also one of my favorite anime series. And they've got a lot of uh, anime fans on the writing staff. But it, I mean, it's basically an American magical girl show, except the main hero is actually a little boy. So basically, the concept is for anyone who's not familiar with Steven Universe is there's this race of people called the Crystal Gems. They're technically not women, but they're technically also all women they look like women anyway uh and they all have women's voices but they have been there's this group of gems the crystal gems who've been on earth uh away from gem homeworld which is somewhere out in space and they were they there's this group the crystal gems who've been living amongst humans for a really long time and one of them rose quartz uh fell in love with and married a human man and had a baby steven and she died and he inherited her gem so the rest of her team are basically raising steven so it's about a little boy being raised by a bunch of magical girls and they're just so complicated and weird and they're adults who make mistakes and it's just beautiful where can people find this show so it's a cartoon network series okay is it is what season it is in is it can we can we netflix it hulu it it's uh well it's uh, uh the first couple seasons are all on hulu it's it has a very erratic airing schedule uh because cartoon network often does with their shows and like many cartoon network shows you know the episodes are only 10 minutes um but uh yeah it's all uh, the first the, i don't even know how many episodes are on hulu now i imagine probably at least a hundred or so um but yeah that's all on hulu and then uh the newest episodes it's technically in its third season okay. actually i think now they might technically be calling the newest episodes that started last Thursday, season four. But anyway, uh, those are all uh, on CountryNetwork.com. Okay. Well, because I know for some reason in the past two weeks, this mm-hmm. show has just been popped up on my radar over and over and over and over again. A couple of my friends posted about it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the bloggers for Dumbbells and Dragons wrote about the best animated shows on television right now, and that's one of the ones she mentioned. Um, awesome. Shout out to Karen. Nice nice article. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm like, this show is everywhere now. I need to jump on this on this bandwagon. Definitely watch it from the beginning on Hulu, uh, and I cannot recommend doing that enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but also, I mean, one of the other things that I, I'm really, really enjoying is uh, the wonderful human beings at Lucasfilm uh, oh. kind of embracing their sort of social responsibility in a way, uh, which I think is just fantastic. Because, I mean, if you look at certainly Star Wars Force Awakens, all of the new protagonists are either women or people of color, which is unbelievable uh and because it's lucasfilm and it's star wars like they're able to get away with that like people are going to go see star wars even though they're like nah, i don't know why is there this girl who's the main jedi character and i don't like this black stormtrooper but like it's star wars so they're still going to go see it um i also love you know that because i mean again it all call, kind of falls under that blanket of disney but that you know uh with the marvel stuff that they are you know making series out of things like Jessica Jones and and Luke Cage and there's going to be a Black Panther movie and and um Captain Marvel with Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel. So I just it it's really nice to see the attention that you know a company like 
Disney, who is such a powerhouse, is giving to women and minorities. Oh, absolutely. And I I think it's important that you said, you know, it's because everyone's going to go see the Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know? And it, it makes me sad because then you've got issues like Gem and the Holograms. Yeah. Oh, I where... know. Why did they make that movie? That was such a great TV show. I loved Gem and the Holograms <laughs> because, again, you had a cast of all women. So none of them had to be the girl and embody, you know, this perfect, idealized, quote unquote, strong female character because they they were all just interesting characters. Yeah. Um, and oh, God, that movie made the movie took the character of Jerrica. Jerrica is an adult woman who runs a like music production company, like a record studio uh, and a record label. If I think I, I'm a little <laughs> unclear, but anyway, she, you know, she's big time. Uh, and they turned her into like a sad YouTuber. Yeah. And it was just the execution was totally wrong, totally, uh, totally off tone and just not what that should have been. Uh, it's like you can't blame women. No, no, not at all. For for the flawed execution of scriptwriters, directors, and Wait, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I and I think that's one of the things, you know, that uh, you know there what? were all these like naysayers going into the new Ghostbusters movie, which turned out to be fantastic. Not surprising. But I, I remember even when it was announced, like because I think of things like the travesty of Gem and the Holograms, even though, you know, I 100 percent believed because it was a great cast, great director, great team behind it. There is always that little fear of, well, they're going to make it about girls and like ghostbusters wasn't about girls it was about a bunch of characters who happened to be women hunting ghosts well and that's that's what i loved about it yeah exactly to, to to show an example you could change out any of those characters um any of the female actor uh actresses with yep. an actor and it would work just fine Absolutely. I, I, yeah. would, I would compare it to Brokeback Mountain in the sense that you could have exchanged either one of those characters with Dream. a female or two females and the story's untouched. Exactly. I completely, completely agree with you. And I mean, that's, you know, Gina Davis had that whole thing about like, that's how you fix the problem with Hollywood is you just create characters and then make at least half of them women. <laughs> well, and that's, that's, it's, it's like George R. R. Martin keeps saying and Joss Whedon keeps saying, and they're like, everyone asking them, well, how do you create such great female characters? And I think it was George R. R. Martin who said, well, I take a woman and I pretend she's a person. <laughs> yeah, he I, I know he has some other quote where he's like, well, I've always been under the radical impression that women are people. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's just it it's so. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, I, I, I love I love their stance. I love their characters. I love I love you know what? I think everyone is in the same boat where we love great characters, regardless if they're male or female. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm I'm saying that from a position 
of a middle-class white male. Yeah, so and, and I mean, I've, for I mean, me, it's like I, I had a friend post um, specifically about Ghostbusters that she said, you know, she she grew up liking Ghostbusters and then she rewatched the first films like last year sometime and was like, man, those are really fun movies. And then she went to see the new Ghostbusters and was like, it was it was the same feeling of, man, this movie is awesome, but I was able to relate to it so much more because there were people on screen for me to relate to. Yes. And it's it's like I, I've I've grown up having people on screen that I can relate to. And yeah. I'm s- and as the girl, it was and as a girl, it was always as, as I've mentioned several times already, there was always like the girl. And it was funny with Steven Universe that, you know, there were some. Uh, boys on Tumblr or somewhere uh, complaining about they're like, oh, Steven Universe is a great show, but like it'd be better if there were like more boy characters. And then someone responded with just like a barrage of all the cartoons that we had grown up with, <laughs> with like one girl. Oh yeah, hey Arnold, Rugrats. yeah, Ducktales, um, Ducktales. Uh, uh, Rescue Rangers. Trying to think what all else was in there, but was, yeah, was there I mean, even it, a female on Tailspin. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm in the middle of. So a- yeah, that I mean, that was basically the the what what we were constantly presented with was it was a whole cast of male characters and one girl, and and because that was so ingrained in us, I actually uh, have moderated for so. Um, Sailor Moon's been dubbed twice. Uh, it was dubbed back in the 90s and it was heavily edited and the names were changed uh, and they didn't dub all the way through the end because there was no way for them to explain away the Sailor Starlight, the, the Sailor Starlights in the last season, Sailor Stars, who are men who transform into women. Um, huh. uh, I guess the, the world was not, the US was not quite ready for that in the early 2000s. But um, I, I've moderated for some of the original dub voice actors uh, a couple of times and Susan Roman who was the original voice of Sailor Jupiter tells this story about how when you know she went into audition for Sailor Moon she went in thinking well I have to be Sailor Moon because there was always just the girl and then she got Sailor Jupiter and was like oh and then realized wait I am in almost as many episodes of Sailor Moon I have a lot to do I have a unique personality I and I'm also a total badass. So uh, it, it was it was a real revelation at the time because we were, again, so accustomed to that team of men with one woman, one woman, <laughs> singular, not women. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, and aside from just this is just me thinking, I mm. know we have Metroid with Samus. Or sure. Can the prince. Can Princess Peach highlight a title? Right? Like, Seriously. I've always wanted there to be a Princess Peach title. First of all, and we all know she was the best character in Super Mario 2. Yeah, oh my god, she was great in Super Mario 2. I was, and that's why I love Super Mario 2, because I actually got to play as her. Ugh. Like, Nintendo, I know you listen to my podcast. Clearly. Well, I mean, that was why for me growing up... Um, you know, a lot of my favorite games until I discovered the magic of JRPGs, uh, most of my favorite games were fighting games because at least there were girl characters I could play as. Yeah. And so I was just 
we were celebrating Father's Day, and we all took um, all the guys went into the the video game room, and we were playing Injustice. Okay. Yep. And all the guys were like, oh, "I'm going to be this Bane, Batman, Nightwing, blah 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 blah," and I'm like, Psh, "I'm Batgirl." Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and the I was I was actually a little a little saddened because I got some ribbing because I was Batgirl. And then I cleaned house. Like nice. that'll I, show them. <laughs> yeah. I was like I mean, I took some pleasure in beating the adults, but then when I beat the eight year old, I was like, Yeah, what now? Totally. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so um Real quick, we've talked about After Buzz here and there throughout this, throughout the conversation. What is After Buzz? Tell us a little bit about that. Cool. Uh, After Buzz is an online after show network. Uh, it was created by uh, Maria Menunos and her now fiance, Kevin Undergaro, and uh, Phil Svitek, who's still one of our executive producers and very hands on and present to this day. Uh, basically, Maria, you know, is is a host and she's been hosting for a long time. And one of the things that she always felt like was that she didn't have a place to learn and to get footage, to have a reel and things like that. So that was part of the reason this network was created. The other was is it was around the advent of Talking Dead and that was doing extremely well. And um, Phil, who's a big fan of Walking Dead, felt like he wasn't really getting from Talking Dead what he wanted in an after show because even though he really enjoyed Talking Dead, he felt like it was just like, all right, we got the guest stars, we're hanging out, and we're just kind of talking about stuff, not necessarily really diving into the episode with a panel of people who are really super fans of the content that they're discussing. Um, so that's kind of how After Buzz was born. And now we do... Gosh, after shows for pretty much everything on yeah. TV. Uh, I'm very fortunate that they're very open to the idea of us, you know, reviewing things like Transformers, Robots in Disguise, uh, which is very much technically a kid's show. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so um, as I say, I do I do a whole bunch of after shows with them. Um, I've also done some stuff over at Popcorn Talk, uh, which is their sister network that talks about movies. I recently did a guest appearance on Otaku Movie Anatomy run by my lovely friends, uh, Michelle, uh, Chubby Bunny Michelle. You, If any of you guys are, are fans of Sailor Moon, you've probably seen her wedding on the internet. She had a beautiful, classy Sailor Moon wedding. Uh, you may ninja and um, uh, Max... Uh, who all do this they do otaku movie anatomy which is basically they talk about anime movies but we just did a review of the live action Roroni kenshin film that was just in theaters it was amazing um and uh yeah so i, I i've guessed it on some stuff over at popcorn talk as well and i did a show over there for a little while uh called the cosplay coach uh with meredith placco as well uh who's a cosplayer and a host she's a bunch of stuff at the young turks and uh writes for geek.com but uh, it, that show became so, so much work. Uh, it just 
we couldn't maintain it anymore, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and then they also have uh, Black Hollywood Live, which is all, you know, hosts of color talking about various, you know, sort of entertainment related topics. Um, and uh, the Every Girl Network uh, would will be launching soon, which is kind of Maria's brainchild of talking about cooking and wine. And I, I don't know. Every Girl seems to encompass sort of whatever you want it to, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> well. Hey, that's. Is, I mean, is it is it geared towards a female audience? I'm assuming. Exactly. Yeah, it's geared. It's geared towards women being like you can. It's it's definitely like women empowerment. It's like if, if I if they would do a show about like car stuff, I would watch that because I feel like I know nothing about cars, and that really upsets me because I want to be, uh, you know, a, an independent, capable person. And when it comes to cars, if I have a problem, I am screwed. <laughs> Well, if you ever need help, um, <laughs> I will show you a thing or two about cars. Excellent. <laughs> my, my car is very old and usually needs work. Nice. That that sounds like a good uh, a good piece of machinery <laughs> to learn on. Yeah. Well, and I will say that I know almost nothing. Everything I know, I learned from a buddy of mine who like is the Uber car guy. Like the guy could be a host on Top Gear. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, it sounds like After Buzz has really got a lot going on. I know I've caught a couple of their after shows. Uh, I've caught some of their WWE stuff because that's one of my guilty pleasures. For a lot, there's a lot of crossover between um, the nerd world and WWE. So, like, my friend Marquia McCarty does a bunch of the wrestling stuff, and she also does the Sailor Moon Crystal after show with me. And then um, my buddy Mark Donica, I've done a ton of after shows with uh, Ruby, Jessica Jones, uh, and he and he also does Jedi Alliance, which I uh, at Popcorn Talk, which I've guested on a number of times. Um, yeah, it, the the wrestling stuff's fun. I'm not really into wrestling myself, but it's interesting. The more I kind of hang around and find out how much crossover there is between like anime fans and wrestling fans. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I could be into wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Give it a shot. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and oh my gosh, you had mentioned something. I wanted to bring it up and now I cannot remember for the life of me what it was. Are you Googling me really fast to like see all the cool stuff I've done? <laughs> no. I, uh, I, uh, well, uh, it, it might have been, I know, when we were chatting before we started recording, I was talking a little about um, the stuff I do uh, for uh, this Twitch studio. Uh, the the company itself is Evergame Media, but they, they handle a number of um, Twitch channels. So uh, I did a show for a while, and it will be coming back in a new format. We're just kind of retooling things right now um, on the Blockade Studios channel, um, which was called Friday Night Party, where we played like party games that like the Jack box games so people who were watching could tune in and play with us and it was a it was a really fun time but I also um was the co-host I played the role of the newbie basically that doesn't know anything about drone tech on the show drone tech with Bapu uh mm-hmm. on the DR1 Twitch channel and I actually was also uh recently on the science channel on the DR1 Invitational which was presented by Mountain Dew it was really nice we had a lot of Mountain Dew on set so anytime I was tired I was like just hit me with another one of those Mountain Dew flavors um <laughs> Very first ever televised drone racing event. That's cool. Basically, uh, they race like mini quadcopters. It's a. It's becoming a huge. I guess sport is is the most accurate way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Excellent. I'll definitely have to link people over to there, and so they can check that out. 
it's super interesting. Uh, kind of the the more I learn about it, it, the the biggest takeaway I have from it is in addition to just being really cool. Because like when we were filming the DR one Invitational, like I was down in the trenches and they had all of these um, obstacles set up, and one of them was they had to fly through these big like. Uh, metal storage containers and when they crashed in those containers it was loud and it was exciting and those drones were fast uh but the other big takeaway that you know i've had from it is that it's this really cool community like everyone's super supportive of each other and i sort of equate it weirdly this is going to be a very weird uh analogy but bear with me it's kind of similar to Pokemon Go in a way, because here's the thing that's really beautiful about Pokemon Go. There are no directions. So the way you learn more about Pokemon Go is by interacting with other people who are playing the game and figuring things out together because you learn from their experiences and they learn from your experiences. And drone racing is very much the same way because it is relatively new. It's it's really only been going on for about a year and a half, but it's like exploded and the community has to be really tight knit, tight knit, because, again, there's no instruction manual. There's no basis for how it's done. So everybody just kind of experiments and talks to each other. And that's kind of the best way to learn and get better. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> That's really cool. And I think definitely that was when nobody was playing Pokemon Go uh, on the field test. Yeah. I was getting super frustrated because I couldn't figure it out and I had nobody to talk to about it. Uh, yeah, I had one friend in the beta and I was so jealous of her. Um, and then the, when the game actually launched, uh, she weirdly enough was at my house. Uh, and so we both just like went on a walk to play Pokemon Go. And we encountered all these other people in my neighborhood who were also playing. And uh, I'm really lucky uh, working at Universal. Uh, it is a gold mine of Pokemon. <laughs> and so people playing and so we all kind of like learn stuff from each other and it's really fun that's excellent now are you still playing just as much or have you kind of teetered off not playing as much i and i don't account that to me losing interest in the game at all it's just i'm so freaking busy uh i still delight in you know turning the game on at work and like catching a few pokemon and like getting some items and stuff because my office is right in between two pokestops um, <laughs> there you go uh, uh so but yeah i just i i want to what i would really really love to do to be totally honest is when my brother and i were growing up we used to play pokemon in real life and we would like pack backpacks and sleeping bags and snacks Granted, we did not actually like camp out in the wilderness overnight, but you know, we'd, we'd have like every 30 minutes, uh, decide that, okay, now it's nighttime again. And so we would like set up our camp. Um, but I would love to like do that, like with a bunch of adults, like just like, like gather a whole bunch of people and legitimately just like walk across Los Angeles and play Pokemon Go, like for an extended period of time. Um, and just sort of recreate that that childhood game on a really epic scale. I actually think that would be really cool. And yeah. I think you should like, I want to say like maybe over the weekend, like yeah, just like organize an event. Yeah. I want to say like walk from LA to San Diego, but that would be a lot. It'd be a lot, but maybe, <laughs> maybe walk from like Burbank to Santa Monica. <laughs> See that. That's, that's doable. 
sort of what I was envisioning. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, all right. So it's been almost an hour. So, oh gosh, it has been almost an hour. I could talk to you for like hours. I, you know, I can talk for a long time. <laughs> it's, then it's going to be one of those two and a half hour episodes. And uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's just going to be so much more work than you anticipated. <laughs> and someone's going to pull this up whenever it goes up and they're going to be like, oh, I don't want to listen to this episode. It's two and a half hours. So yeah. we're, we're going to wrap up. Um, <laughs> now, do you have, aside from After Buzz TV mm-hmm. and your podcast, do you have a go-to nerd resource or app that helps you um, stay connected, stay nerdy? Well, I am a Twitter fiend, uh, so I have a lot of friends that are super involved with, like, Geek and Sundry and Nerdist, um, so I get a lot of my kind of news and stuff from them, and also uh, from Kotaku for the kind of anime stuff. Uh, and then for Sailor Moon specifically, there is this fantastic website, it's misdream.org, that has every Sailor Moon thing you could ever dream of, uh, is always super up to date on the news uh, and gossip regarding Sailor Moon and uh, most importantly has beautiful subtitled copies of all the new Sam You, which are the musicals, uh, which everybody needs to watch. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's yep. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be very kind of heavily entrenched in the nerd community. So I get a lot of my kind of, updates from people who are directly involved and also you know being involved in the after buzz stuff if one of my co-hosts on one of my like nerdy shows learns something they immediately text it to me or tweet it to me or because people have come to associate me with these properties that i host after shows for i'll have fans tweeting stuff at me all the time so i i'm really lucky that that news kind of just comes to me <laughs> yeah that's excellent well i i I, I don't know if you've heard, mm-hmm. but I heard from a reliable source who's watched the entire season, mm-hmm. Luke Cage is mm-hmm. awesome. My God, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. I can't, It's going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, September 30th cannot get here soon enough. No, it's so great. Yeah. So Luke Cage um, comes out September 30th and Star Wars Rebels comes back on the 27th. So like end of September, my like my shows are back. (laughs) Yes. Oh, all right. And where can people connect with either you or After Buzz or the podcast? Uh, well, uh, all of AfterBuzz's stuff, if you look up AfterBuzz TV, they have a website. It's AfterBuzzTV.com. You can also find all of their podcasts on iTunes and also on AfterBuzz TV's YouTube channel. Um, basically, just look for AfterBuzz TV YouTube. It will come up uh, and you will be inundated with all the after shows you could ever dream of. Uh, and they're, all of their social is at AfterBuzz TV. Um, Love and Justice, my podcast uh, is at LNJPod. So that's letter L as in love, letter N as in Nancy standing for the word and because you can't have an ampersand in your um, Twitter handles uh, J as in justice pod first part of podcast so LNJ pod um, on Twitter and then you can also find us uh, on Facebook at love and justice a serious Sailor Moon podcast and if you look up Sailor Moon in the iTunes in the podcast section of the iTunes store where we tend to go back and forth with the Sailor Moon crystal after show as either the second or third result that comes up 
there's some like old Sailor Moon podcast called Sailor Talk or something like that that always comes up before us. And I'm really over it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> updated. It's like 2008. Come on. Um, yeah. And then me, uh, you can find me all over the Internet uh, just at my name, Emma Fife, E-M-M-A-F-Y-F-F-E. That is all F's as in Fred. No S's as in snake. They tend to sound the same on the phone uh, or when they are recorded into a microphone and then uh, <laughs> transmitted into your ears. Uh, again, as, as we talked about, I'm not 100 percent sure when uh, this episode will air, uh, but I will be at a couple of conventions coming up here. Um, Salt Lake Comic Con is uh, September 1st through 3rd. I will be there. Love and Justice has a panel at one o'clock on September 2nd, which is a Friday, uh, which is a lot of fun. This is the second time that we have gone. Well, we've gone to Salt Lake Comic Con three times, but this is the second time that we've gone as uh, panelists. So that'll be a good time. So please come see us. Uh, or if this airs after that's already happened, thanks for coming. Uh, <laughs> and then I will be in Houston uh, September 9th through 11th at Amazing Houston Comic Con. Um, as I say, I run programming and guest relations for the Amazing Con. So I will be on a number of panels and I'll be running around like a crazy person. But if you are in Houston, and I know I have some fans in Houston. Uh, please do come say hello because I always love meeting people uh, who who like the same stuff that I do. It's a it's it's a good time. Yeah, no, it's it's. I've only been doing this a short while, but when I first realized that more than just my three devices were downloading my podcast. <laughs> it, it was really kind of cool. It, it was, it, and then you people reach out to you on Twitter and social media. It's, it's really I, that's the. I mean, the coolest thing because I mean, you know, Love and Justice is my project, and the fan response that we get to that is just incredible. We have the most fantastic fan base and they will send us these really long, lovely emails um, and and just are constantly like tweeting stuff at us that they think we would like. And it's just it's so, so great. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And speaking of panels, mm -hmm. um, you are going to be at one of our panels at uh, Palm Springs Comic Con. I'm very excited about this, right? Is that still a thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally down. I, did you send me an email about it? I don't think that I've seen it. If I, have, you did. <laughs> I have not sent you an email about it because I am emailing, I'm trying to email all the panelists on one group email. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Actually, um, uh, Sandy Fox, who is the, uh, voice of, um, Sailor Chibi Moon on uh, on Sailor Moon the, in the Viz Dub of Sailor Moon is going to be there, and I was like, "Oh, if you're going to be there, then I totally want to go hang out." <laughs> oh, excellent! And well, our our panel is going to be on cosplay and body image. Oh, awesome! I'm I'm super excited. It's going to be great. It's totally up the nerd and fitness alley that I love so much that inspired me to start this podcast. Ah, that's awesome! Yeah, and. To cap things off, last question, what parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening? My parting advice uh, for anyone out there listening, if you are someone who is considering creating content, I, I do a lot of um, panels sort of on being a professional fan and, and creating internet content. And I think that my biggest advice is to just do it. Uh, even if you think that your 
project, you know, isn't unique because there's a bunch of people that have Star Wars podcasts or have made fan films for Super Mario Brothers. I don't know that that's a thing. I'm just throwing that out there. All of those things, even if you feel like, oh, this has been done before, but if you're passionate about it, 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 that fandom is still missing your voice. So you should just do it because if it's something that you really, really care about, that's going to show in the content that you create. And it's cool to love things enthusiastically. And it's, and the one other thing that I want to add sort of to, to that is that, is that, is to be respectful of all fans within your fandom. Um, because just because you know absolutely everything about Star Wars doesn't mean that someone who's just discovering Star Wars and liking it is like any less worthy of it than you are. Um, I'm all about like including people in the, the fandoms that I am involved in because I know that there are people, I know that I know a lot more than a lot of people about the things that I like, but I also know there are a lot of people that know a lot more than I do. And that's cool because if you are sort of the expert on a particular topic, it's nice to, you know, the people who are newer to it can learn from you. So be kind to them. (laughs) I wholeheartedly agree with that. And if we alienate the newer fans or the less knowledgeable fans, uh, they stop being fans and then our stuff goes away. Yeah, and then the nerds lose again and we finally won. <laughs> right? It is such a good time to be a nerd right now. Yes, it's amazing. Oh, Emma, thank you so much. For, You're welcome. Uh, it has been such a blast talking to you and I swear yeah. this, this could go on for for hours. <laughs> I know, we keep talking for forever. There's, I love so many things and I can talk ad nauseum about any number of topics. <laughs> yes. At some point, I meant to bring up Rainbow Bright and just couldn't work oh, it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rainbow Bright, that takes me back. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, well, thank you so much. And everyone, yeah, thank you. And everyone out there listening, thank you for listening to this episode. We will catch you on the next one. Workout Nerd Out. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.